0: We lay off in the channel, we hung about there, the weather was bad, the Germans discovered us, they bombed us, three substantial ships had direct hits, and uh, the, the weather showed no signs of, of abating, and so in the end, with our tail between our legs, we came back to the Isle of Wight and we were disbanded. And uh, we went back to our various officers and said, well, no story.
1: Patrick porcius was then a captain with four Commando.
2: It was an absolute disaster. It should never have taken place. A great thing has been made about the lessons learnt from the raid, which were put into good use for the main landings in Italy and later on in Normandy. But my feeling was that 90% of those lessons could have been learnt training in Britain, on the beach at Weymouth or anywhere else. But as it was, they had something like a 1,000 killed and 2,000 taken prisoner. And what did they achieve? Absolutely nothing. They lost an awful lot of landing craft. I think it drew a division of troops from the Russian Front over to defend the Western Front, a German division. We destroyed a certain number of aircraft. We lost more aircraft than the Germans did. And we learned lessons, which, as I say, I'm sure should have been learned, training in Britain. I mean, the Churchill tanks that they landed, a whole regiment of them, which had never been in action before, and they all just shed their tracks on the shingle. They just couldn't cope with the shingle. They could have had endless trials in Britain to see whether they could work over shingle. The similar arrangements were very poor. The command ship was out of touch half the time with the troops who landed. The whole plan depended on success on the four-flank parties, the the two Canadian ones and the two commando parties. Without that, the, the beach itself is an absolute killing ground. The two headlands on either side, firing straight down, enfilading down the beach, They perhaps hadn't a hope. The people at Puy, the Royal Regiment of Canada, I think only about one man actually got over the seawall. They had the most appalling casualties. I think 12 men got back to England out of the battalion of 700 or 800. All the rest were either killed or taken prisoner. It's an impossible piece of coast. It's cliffs all the way along, except for these few little uh, gaps where the gullies came down. It was quite impossible to get up. I'm very, very bitter about it, and as I think most Canadians are, too, who are thrown into it.
1: Twice wounded, Patrick porcius led a successful charge against a major gun emplacement and saved many Allied soldiers' lives. He was awarded the Victoria Cross for his gallantry. Frank Gillard expressed his strong opinions of Operation Jubilee.
0: So we waited in a fair amount of trepidation for the signal calling us forward, in the end, uh, we'd, we were not. We'd, I didn't land. One or two of my colleagues did, and uh, one of them got a very good story because he was with the commandos who carried out the only successful part of the operation on, on the western flank and silenced a German uh, coastal defence gun on the cliffs. We spent all our time hauling chaps out of the water. Uh, from small boats, which had managed to bring them off the beaches, and they were there they were bleeding, limbs torn away and that sort of thing, um, and hauling them on board um, our landing craft, which was less vulnerable. And when we were full and couldn't um, find room for uh, anybody else, you know, we got the order to, to sail back. We got back early evening. We were met by the Command-in-Chief of Combined Operations, Admiral Sir Louis Mountbatten, for whom... Thereafter, I never had a single shred of respect in this smart white naval uniform who invited us into his office or whatever it was. We came back to Portsmouth Uh, and then tried very hard to bamboozle us into uh, presenting a very favourable picture of the operation and quite oblivious to the kind of stories that we had to tell him. We didn't want to hear them. As Montgomery said subsequently, It was a great pity that so many Canadian lives had to be lost in order to teach us things that we knew already. In a matter of
1: hours, out of the 6,000 men who started the operation, well over 1,000 were killed and over 2,300 captured. In addition, 53 RAF crew were lost. Another pre d day fiasco took place at Slapton Sands in South Devon in April 1944. On the 27th, a beach landing exercise was arranged involving the use of nine American tank landing craft. Cromwell Lloyd Davies was an officer on HMS Glasgow at the time.
3: We were operating from Plymouth at the time, and we'd already been told to start carrying out bombardment practices uh, off the south coast of Devon, which were live practices carried out mainly by the American troops to practice the landings for Normandy. These were, part of the south coast was evacuated, and um, we actually opened fire with live ammunition over their heads, and uh, undoubtedly it helped them a lot. The only disaster was when um, some e-boats got in among the landing craft one night, and uh, that led to most heavy casualties. About 600 American soldiers were down.
1: Detailed planning was already well in hand when General Eisenhower was appointed Supreme Allied Commander in December 1943. At least the tragedies of Dieppe and Slapton-Sands had underlined the need for secrecy and immaculate planning before any realistic thoughts of a major invasion could be undertaken in Normandy. Lloyd Davis again.
3: We then joined a bombarding force, and it consisted of American ships and French ships, and two British cruisers. The Glasgow and Black Prince were the British cruisers and the American ships included the Texas, one of their battleships and the two French ships were the Montcalm and the Georges Lake. We foregathered at Belfast and immediately were put under complete security. No one was allowed ashore no one was allowed on board and then for the first time the operation orders were opened. These were very extensive and consisted of several sacks of orders. This included also a sort of rubber model of the whole of the beach which we were going to attack. It had been made in sections about a foot square and I understand that each section was made in a different part of the United States so that they were never put together until finally they arrived in this country for D-Day. We assembled all of this in our hangar and we were able then to sit down and look at the beach from a suitable distance and we saw the exact beach as we would see it on the day. The security was intense and even if a man went sick He was sent to one special hospital at Belfast, which was under guard, and was not allowed to be removed. While we were there, I organized all the commanders of the ships to get together to agree what we should do in the event of one ship being knocked out and the others being able to tow it or help it out. The only trouble I found was one of the French ships, the Montcalm, where some of the officers were de Gaulle and some were Vichy. And in fact, when I went to dinner there, the officers who were the Vichy officers walked out of the mess when I arrived. This, of course, was a hangover from our attack on Dakar and Oran. But otherwise, we worked very well with them. And finally, we set sail to go down along the Bristol Channel and into the English Channel.
1: Unlike Dieppe, This operation was planned in the most meticulous detail. It was recognized that the capture intact of a working port on the French coast in the early weeks of the invasion was unrealistic. So, one significant part of the preparation was the creation of scores of hollow floating concrete blocks to be towed across the channel to the invasion beaches to form artificial harbors for the hundreds of supply ships needed to support the operation. These were known as Mulberry Harbours. Brigadier Arthur Walter was closely involved in the planning. It was
3: an exceedingly busy time. The eternal meetings and planning and cancelling and planning and, because every piece of the harbour had to come to a certain place on the shores of England at a certain time to be towed out exactly at that time to arrive on the shores of France at a certain time for the pieces to be fitted in just like a bit of macano bit by bit, and all that meant schedules of planning and uh, which were altered and adjusted and redone and uh, so
1: on. To ensure that a steady flow of petroleum would reach the invading troops, Pluto, or pipeline under the ocean, would be laid to pump fuel from the Isle of Wight.